guys it's your host your boy george mckay back here in the straight talk studios it's mid-january it's cold there might not be snow on the ground there might be i'm not sure the weather over here is fucked beyond belief but i have somebody special i have somebody who's been on the show it's actually probably close to three years in the making he busts my chops every time he sees me but now he can't say shit please help me welcome the voice of ontario indie wrestling actually the voice of wrestling in canada period ring announcer extraordinaire jb franchise to straight talk wrestling how are you sir Hey, George, I'm doing good. How are you? I can't complain, man. I can't complain. So we're going we're gonna to chop it up and talk about you for the next little bit, which is a pretty easy subject. So I guess my first question is, I mean, you got into training rather late in your career, 36. How do you decide at that age, fuck it, I'm, I'm going to do it. I'm going to train wrestling. I'm not getting any younger. It's like, that's what it was. And it was like two years of talking to friends. Like I love wrestling. I got out of it for like years, like from my teen years until 36, really. Like I'd follow it a little bit, but the main feds weren't really doing it for me. Um, I started going to time, like working in like Tennessee, Kentucky, like all over the place. Didn't have time to have hobbies really. Um, so when finally I got a job that like I'm at home, like nine to five, I was like, I got to do something. I joined a bowling league. It was fun. But like I started going to indie shows and then I was like, I, I there was I, my, one of my best friends in the world, this guy drew, I've known drew like forever. He was going with me to super kicked in Toronto. Super kick puts on a hell of a show. We loved it. Still do. Haven't been in a while. Cause now I've got conflicts, but uh, he, uh, one night we were there and I was like, dude, I got to, I got to get on the other side of this. I need to be a part of this. I need to somehow contribute. And then finally it was like, I'm joining a wrestling gym. Like whether or not I can contribute, I'm just going to see what this is all about. I want to see how the sausage is made, so to speak. I want to know the like the magic and uh, really it just, it just took off. Like it's, it's wild how like you just get to know people and you like, I don't even want to call it networking. You just meet people and make friends and, a spot opens up, like just something like spit in. <laughs> Absolutely. I mean, like, dude, you've been all over. You've announced literally everybody. I was gracious enough to kind of, I guess, take a shot in your footsteps. And I got to tell you, man, ring announcing, it was fun, but it's not easy. It's organized chaos to say the least. You're out it, there live. There's no do-overs. Mistakes no. happen. I was given the wrong direction on a couple cards of when to announce certain people. And then I got made out to be the asshole by the promoter, uh, which I won't name names, but that was no. the truth of the matter. So I, uh, I just decided, you know what? I'm best suited to either be in the fan, be a fan in the audience, or to be behind the commentary table calling the play-by-play. Because the cool thing about that is, is that when you see the play-by-play, it's usually polished up. It's not really live in indie wrestling like it is at WWE or anything like that. So it was cool. To be able to, I mean, like I got to announce Thunder Rosa, which was yeah. awesome. That was, that was an incredible highlight for me, for sure. But I mean, nowhere near the caliber of you. And dude, I got to tell you, I've been to a lot of shows, seen a lot of different announcers. But when Jamie's announcing the show, it hits different. 
And that's not kissing your ass. That's just being truthful. When Jamie's announcing the show, you get that little spark. You're very calm and collective before the wrestlers are coming out. You're keeping the crowd engaged. And then when the crowd comes out, it's like you go from, and now. <laughs> introducing first. And it's it's crazy. It's, it's insane how you switch it on and off like that. So like you mentioned to the mini hosts, the spot opened up, you just decided. But did you ever think that it would take off the way it has and you would literally be announcing it almost every promotion in Ontario? Pretty no. much 75% of them. No, it's crazy. And I kind of, so like I said, just like getting in there, like joining the gym and just being a part of it and like going to other shows. Like when I was new, before I was even doing renouncing, there'd be a carload going to Destiny and helping just to help ring crew, whatever. Uh, we went to Impact, just ring crew helping and just being around, uh, stuff opens up. A little before I started training, when I was looking into schools, Crossbody, I live 10 minutes away from it. Like I couldn't be luckier. Um, somebody wrote a review on there that was like, just do it. I started, then I wouldn't believe, I couldn't believe who I'm sharing a locker room with like right away. Like, I don't know who even wrote the review. Like, I think it was anonymous, but it's right. It's just like, all of a sudden, like Josh Alexander's there. And then like, it's like Danhausen, like RJ City, like these guys that like, we've seen for a few years in Ontario and now they're blowing up. Like I know RJ has been around forever. He was one of my first favorites, still is one of my favorites, but like, yeah, I man, it's just wild. It's just wild. And like, no, I don't know. It's, I thought I'd be doing the student shows because I was a student. And then Brady who did the main shows, he decided to step aside at Crossbody. Uh, and then I started doing main shows there and then HWE, uh, reached out, um, PWO, and then like Destiny, like, come on, like, <laughs> like, how cool is that? And I, I did that a few times, like, I did it early, um, in Sarnia, they ran an event, actually, I do Chem Valley now, that was kind of an offshoot of the Destiny coming to town, uh, the co-promoter still runs there, uh, Aaron, he's super cool, so, yeah, it's, so it's, it's a, it's a trip, man. <laughs> Absolutely, to say the least, it's a trip. And like you said, you've announced guys like Jake Something. You've announced guys like RJ City. You've announced Dan Housen. You've announced so many epic wrestlers that it's hard to say. But one of the coolest moments, I think, was when you got me hyped the fuck up for one of the Destiny shows. It was in COVID. And it was Josh Alexander defending his title, going on that epic three-and-a-half-year reign that he had at Destiny. And he was defending it against Cody Diener. And Diener walked out and you, you, you killed it. You announced Diener. And I was like, cool. And this is heel Cody Diener, but he's the nicest guy in the fucking planet. Uh, super sweetheart of a human being and a great motivational speaker too. Any principals yeah. out there looking for somebody to inspire their kids. This is the man you got to call 150%. Yeah. But Josh Alexander comes out and it's like Jamie flips the switch. And it, it just went from, this is going to be a fucking barn burner to this is going to be match of the year in Ontario. And it turned out to be one of the best matches that year that I had ever seen. And, and I, I think that starts with, and a lot of people don't give the ring announcer credit enough. Like, sure, the wrestlers get all the kudos in the world because of the stories they tell in the ring, 150%. Commentators add the narration to the storytelling. Promoters book these epic matches, put on great production, and shout out to all the promoters in Ontario because you guys are all fucking killing it. To be a fan here in Ontario is nothing short of Christmas every time there's a fucking show. Because you know it's going to be lights out amazing. 
And then there's the ring announcer. Starts the build of the show, but is out there from beginning to end. Welcome. Good night. He's there. She's there. Whoever may be donning the MC cap that night. But when you add those layers, like those chapter breaks between each match, and then you're building that next chapter to the culmination of this epic art form that we're witnessing, it's nothing short of amazingness. So anybody that says ring announcers have it easy, fuck that. I've been in the shoes. Ring announcers probably have the hardest job in wrestling next to the wrestlers when they're out there taking their risks, putting their bodies on the line to entertain us. But being a ring announcer is not easy. You've made mistakes. Mistakes happen. And sometimes you beat yourself up. I've made mistakes and I beat myself up all the time. How do you, how do you, I guess, how does Jamie cope with when the mistakes happen? Do you shrug them off? Do you sit there and, 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 and shallow in that shit for a few minutes, few hours? Or do you just know, fuck it. There's nothing I can do. It happened. I can't change it now. I I like to think I learned from my mistakes. Mm-hmm. And the first mistake I made, oh, I, I wouldn't let myself live it down. Like I was, no, we can't do that again. It can't happen. Every time has been a bit better, but still I need to be cool. I need to just, it didn't happen. I, I actually had a, a slip at the last Destiny show I did. As far as how I handled it in the ring, happy with that it was uh kevin blanchard i said kevin blackwood Mm. i said it confidently too i looked at him he looked at me i was like oh no recompose i just i gave it a second as if nothing happened i just said kevin black kevin blanchard properly uh because you know hopefully somebody can fix that up they have it twice now even if they don't I said it right. His name was said right at least once. It's not okay. I got out of the ring, but when I went to the back, I was like, fuck. Like I was like, I let out like some emotion on that. I should have no sold it completely. That would, to be the professional that I want to be and that I'm getting to, would be just no, to, to have no sold it and just gone about my business. Obviously when I got to the back and Kevin was in the back, I was so apologetic because my, Yes, you're right. There is a lot to doing the ring announcer thing. And you kind of got to ask some questions that maybe people didn't think of for the flow of the show, things like that. But like, really, nobody should remember me. Like, I'm not about the show. I'm just about hyping the matches. These guys, it's important to me to let them know that I respect the hell out of what they do. Mm. I'm not just here. Like, I am doing my best and I fucked up. I got to let this guy know that I apologize and you know, I'm going to do my best to not let it happen again because they, they deserve a proper energetic introduction. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I mean, I'm sure Kevin, knowing Kevin as well as I know, because I've seen him at a couple of shows and we're not best friends or anything, but I've seen him at a couple of shows and he knows who I am. And we have a mutual respect for one another because he's one hell of a performer. Mm-hmm. I'm sure he was, hell yeah, he is. I'm sure he was completely empathetic. He understood. Oh, he's so guy. nice. Yeah. Couldn't have been okay. nicer. Like okay. understood. Yeah, Absolutely. You know what? I I would like to uh, I would like to tell a, a story in my ring announcing experience. And again, I only had two. You've got Please like do. nine thousand. I have two. But <laughs> um, when I was able to announce Jake something versus Moose at the first OTT show, okay. uh, I went out there. I did the whole Moose thing. I did the wrestling god, and he looked over at me and he kind of gave the gave a little nod. And also, we both had the same earring, so there's a mutual respect there for the same earring. And then I I looked over and I said, "He is Jake something." Jake something looked at me and he went. Say it again. Say it again. 
fucking say it again. I love it. And it was just, it was the coolest moment in the world. And after I went over and shook both their hands, it was honored to announce both of you. And Jake something said, you know what? I've been around a long time in this business. I have never had somebody announce my name with that much style and flair. And kudos to you, man, because you fucking killed it. And I was like, coming from you, dude, that's fucking incredible. Dude, so that, that means was, a lot. Yeah, it absolutely means a lot. It means it means huge because it's just like you're sitting there going, wow, this is this is something different. This is something that I never would have expected. And you know what? Nobody should remember the ring announcer, but I almost feel like the ring announcers, you say they hype up the match. I believe they're the storyteller from beginning to end because they're connecting all the matches. That's true. So, so you say nobody should remember the ring announcer. I respectfully disagree with you. And I have two words to, to counteract that. Howard Finkel. Yes. And, but how many times have you seen Howard Finkel? Like we saw him like a million times, right? We remember the best ones. I don't remember ever him screwing up, but he's always just there. Like he's comfortable. Like that. So sorry, maybe not, not remembered, but just like there, like a set piece, but like um, the destiny with uh, Cody Diener and, uh, and Josh, you should remember Cody and Josh. Like oh, I'm a, I I'm remember a, like, everything about that match. I'm a, I don't want, like, I'm a, like, a, don't remember me. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, Cody Diener, <clears throat> Cody Diener and Josh Alexander have this weird vibe for me where I almost feel like they should fight forever. Yeah. <laughs> Those two could tell some great stories and it's a shame that they haven't run a program together on impact to full potential. Because I think Cody Diener, Josh Alexander feud on impact has the makings of feud of the year. In my honest fucking opinion, those two literally have a fight forever feel. When you look at wrestling as a whole. And I mean, again, all of us as fans at one point or another, we have that time where we dip and we dive, we, we, we pull back, we get more invested. You say indie wrestling got you reinvested into the product, the, the great storytelling that is pro wrestling. What was it about, I guess, Superkick that intrigued you to go back? Because you mentioned Superkick a few times as being the first indie show that you attended. What was it about Superkick that intrigued you to go back that night? Was it the match card? Was it the atmosphere? Or was it just, fuck it, you know what? I want to go out for a night in town. I love wrestling. They got a show. I'm going to go. All the above. Mm. All the above. Um, they they have It's at a bar, so you can drink there, which we usually did. Um so had some drinks, get with some buddies, like Drew, like I said, always with me, but we'd always bring other friends too. Like, we'd be like you got to come and check this out. Um, Cause really Drew and I were really the only ones that kept up on wrestling. Like none of my friends really are still into it. They've been to my events. When I say my events, the events that I'm uh, uh, announcing on, but they're not really actively into it. So we'd go, but it was like the vibe, like just like you got, they had a stable at the time. I think they were called the cure stratosphere was in there um jake something was in there uh, a few other guys uh Tarek, probably Tarek was in there no Tarek wasn't in there but Tarek was around but he wasn't in the cure but these guys were just like oh you're talking about the cure of the faction yeah you're talking about uh, cure the faction. mark wheeler jesse yeah. v stratosphere just and they were all just such piece of shit heels that were backing it up and just like, <laughs> oh, they were so good. First time we saw Stratos, he was carrying a sting bat and we were like, that dude fucking rules. And he's got that Stratos, just that smile, that grin he's holding. He's just, he's such a, he's, 
he's not but he is such a dickhead like just look at him you hate him and then he wins the match you're like oh i love this (laughs) (laughs) who do you think right now when you look at ontario because josh alexander is still doing stuff in ontario but he's definitely fully invested in impact shout out to josh longest rating impact champion all fucking time putting canada on the map bringing eyes here that we desperately need but looking at ontario right now the landscape of indie wrestling who do you think is the top heel and top baby face in all of Ontario? Because I get it. Each promotion has their top heel and top baby face. But who do you think? Because you announce everybody. Who do you think has that it factor to be the next big baby face like a Josh Alexander or the next big heel in Ontario? Man. Like an RJ City because RJ City was Ontario's number one fucking heel. But RJ City would look at you, call you an asshole, and make you agree with him that you're a fucking asshole. So that's RJ City as a heel makes me think is like he's a baby face. Like, like RJ City is an enigma. Um, but as far as best baby face or heel, that's a good question. I know. I asked the tough questions here on Straight Talk, Jamie. I don't hold any punches. <laughs> yeah, you do. Jeez. <laughs> um, Let's see. I could throw out a couple names if you want some suggestions. Yeah, give me some suggestions. All right. You're, you're probably going to hit and I'm going to be, yep. <laughs> okay, heel wise for me, I look at heels in one or two facets of attitude and charisma. And Mark Wheeler and Gabriel Fuerza have heel in spades. I also oh, look yeah. at Aiden Prince, who did the switch just last year. And Aiden Prince baby face is fucking amazing. But Aiden Prince heel for me hits fucking different. Mm-hmm. The, the president of Prince City hits fucking different when he's giving you the middle finger because for some reason yeah. you smile and you go, yeah, I fucking hate you, but I love you. You're amazing. And then I look at baby faces and I have to say for me, even though she could be a heel because she has that, I don't give a fuck attitude. I would have to say honestly and truly uh, Taylor rising or Alexia Nicole, when it comes to baby faces in Ontario, those are one, two for me. And then, of course, yeah. I look at the up-and-comers, and the future in, in Ontario indie wrestling is very, very bright. A lot of great factions coming up, like Dynasty. Uh, you've got Empire. Actually, I would actually have to throw Matt Grant in the heel conversation because Matt yeah. Grant is such – he's one of the nicest guys in the world, but fuck yeah. that guy. Fuck yeah. Matt Grant. He's such an ass in the ring, but he's oh. so fucking good. And he really is – you know, he really is the promo paragon. He, I'll, I'll, give yeah. I'll never tell you to his face and he's going to watch this and he'll be like, oh, how come you don't say nice things like that to me in my face? He'll be like, fuck you. Okay. Your dad should have pulled out plain and simple. Yeah. That's just the way I look at it. <laughs> so everybody you just said was in my head, but I've seen them as both baby face and heel. So like all of them, I'm like straight heel, straight baby face. Oh, I can't get it. But I will say through our little figuring it out phase here. Uh, Fuerza is even when he was baby face, uh, face with uh, fight or flight, he's always like, he's got that good attitude. Like he's got that good, like fuck you attitude. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, yeah. So and he's also my best friend. Did you know that? He's one of my, I, I've friends. seen that he's your best friend. Best yeah. Friend. Hell yeah. Congratulations. <laughs> <laughs> he absolutely hates it i go yeah. to every show and i just bust his chops and he fucking hates it oh but it's amazing whatever he it's it's out there on the internet the yeah. last time we had a conversation i titled it best friends and amazing. he never he never went on any of the socials to counteract the comment so it must be true 
It's true. Exactly. You know what they say? The internet is a bunch of bullshit unless you find the one truth. And the truth of 2022 was that Gabriel Flares was my best fucking friend. That's you it. You found the truth. Congratulations. I found, truth. I found like like Indiana Jones, I found my holy grail. Hell yeah. <laughs> so let's talk let's talk pop culture and movies for a second because you and I are of the same generation. We're in around the same age yep. group. We had a very yep. semi-heated discussion about the Ghostbusters, and we're going to get into it right now. Now, I love right. the Ghostbusters. Ghostbusters, okay. and I'm even a big fan of Ghostbusters 2. A lot of people oh. shit on Ghostbusters 2, but yeah. I've listen. Your love keeps lifting me higher. If I had a fucking toaster doing that shit, I would be so fucking happy. Now, my favorite <laughs> Ghostbuster is Egon because I'm very analytical. For me, it's all about fact. It can't be fiction. It can't be belief. It's either there or it isn't. And Egon, I connected with Egon as a kid because I'm like, this motherfucker invented all this cool ass shit. And that's it. And then there's Ray, who's who's literally, Ray is the idiot of the group because he gets talked into everything by Vang. He, he yeah. does he literally, do you remember the loan he gets taken out on his parents' house? And it's like- Yeah, the, the first year alone, $95,000? Right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> and the, I think the interest rate was like 8%. It's like, you didn't even try yeah. to talk him down. No, it was like 18%. It yeah, 18%. Something crazy, high teens. <laughs> it's credit card interest. Fucking credit card interest on a mortgage loan. Incredible. And then there's Vankman. Suave, he's debonair. He's great with the ladies. And then there's Winston. Who just kind of shows up because he needs a job, and, and, they let and him he's in. faking it till he makes it. Like fakes, he's fakes it till he's he jumping it. in. Yep, I got this. And so as you're saying this, yes, you're reaffirming why Winston's my favorite. Because like I'm always just like ending up in these situations. Like my real job, it's just like when I started doing that, I was like, oh my god, okay, sink or swim, let's go. And I got around some really smart people who like taught me the ropes and like. Here we go. And same with wrestling. I was around some good people that taught me the ropes. And they're like, all right, here you go. So, yeah, Winston reaffirmed as my favorite Ghostbuster. So let's talk. Let's talk the, I guess, the retelling with the girls, which was fantastic. But let's also talk about the, I guess, the inadverted third part or sequel, if you will, that came out last year with part four on the horizon for next year. What did you like about the retail, the new version? with Paul Rudd and with, you know, the guy, the kid from Stranger Things and all that stuff. And then obviously reigniting it with Egon's ghost, the connection through the family, the farmhouse, knowing that Gozer was in the town and he's trying to protect the town from Gozer the entire time. The juxtaposition, the connection between the first story and the second and the, and the third installment of that story arc was fantastic. But what are your thoughts being a big Ghostbuster fan like myself? What are your thoughts of the new versions of Ghostbusters that have come out after the original two? So I'll start with like just the first two. The first one is legit my favorite movie. I think it's a perfect film. Uh, it's kind of about nothing. Like nobody, nothing happens. Obviously they save the world, but they're the same character at the beginning of the movie that, that, they, that they are at the end. And you, you yes. never see that. And like, that could also be an argument of why it isn't good, but it's done well. And it's just, nothing happens. They just, they be, they're the Ghostbusters. The whole time they're the Ghostbusters. Um, Ghostbusters 2 I love it as a special place in my heart. I would like somebody to invite me on a podcast to talk for three and a half hours about why I don't like Ghostbusters too. Cause I could go on and on. When I say Ghostbusters is the perfect movie, Ghostbusters 2 is not very good at all. 
The exact moment, though, that Ghostbusters 2 falls apart is when the judge screams burned at the stake and the Scolari brothers pop out and the judge looks at these fucking cartoons and goes, oh my God, it's the Scolari brothers. Those, what? Like, how did you think those were the fucking Scolari brothers? Like, though, you can't even see their faces, they're just blue blobs. Like, are you fucking kidding me? Those are the, like, how do you fucking know? <laughs> so, that's, but right up until that point, we had that scene where they're digging the hole on the street and the cops come up and they're bullshitting with the cops and Venkman and Ray are, like, coming up with the characters, like, just to, like, get them off their backs. That's all fucking good. Lewis, as their attorney, is fucking great when peter venkman is leading him through the courtroom when lewis doesn't know what the fuck he's doing and peter's on the bench like whispering to him like it's just helping out a friend who's scared and then he's repeating it and the other lawyer's like what the fuck's going on here great after that it falls apart it's new year's eve we don't even acknowledge christmas happened aside for there's some fucking uh decorations up in the background sometimes all of that happened they came back into business and the whole Vigo shit happened within a month. And we didn't really explore any fucking timeline shit. It happened too fast. So I'm not going to talk about Ghostbusters 2 anymore. Because I'll you, you'll never lose me. I'm going to be here forever. The third one. Mm. We're talking about the girls now. The spit out with the girls, right? So I'm going to be perfectly honest with you. I haven't seen it. Okay. Fair enough. I, never, I, never, I haven't seen it. I did it, see it. I didn't hate it. Yeah. I didn't love it. I was entertained. But not enough to want to watch it again. So... The only reason I didn't want to see it, and it is not because of the females, because I think all those actresses are incredibly funny. I wanted a, what we ended up getting. I wanted a continuation of the story. I didn't want a reboot. I don't, I didn't, I was mad it was a reboot. Um, and when I say mad, like I wasn't really mad. It just, it wasn't for me at that point. Like it just, that one wasn't for me. Um, my, uh, my girlfriend's son, Dominic, uh, who we, I live with now, I was, I was kind of a little, my little stepson. He loves Ghostbusters. He loves the third one. The third one being the one with the uh, the, the reboot um, with the, uh, the female cast. So like, yeah, I got nothing bad to say. I just, I honestly haven't seen it and I probably should. I'm, there's no reason I haven't seen it. Uh, so yeah, nothing to really say either way on that one. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But the- uh, What about Afterlife? What are your thoughts on Afterlife? Uh, so as I get older, George, you might notice this becoming a little more emotional. Mm, and so we can we assume that everybody that's watching Straight Talk right now has seen the movie so as to not spoil the movie? Well, how about this? I'm going to do this right now. Spoilers ahead. If you haven't watched it, too fucking bad. Go ahead, Jamie. The floor is yours. Thank you. To open the movie with Egon fucking dying, I'm in the theater with uh, – it's a pretty empty theater because I didn't see it opening day. And it was COVID kind of too. Uh, that was one of the first like theater experiences you could have. Um, I went with my girlfriend and Dominic, who I've already mentioned. And the whole movie, I'm grit teeth. Like I'm like trying not to burst out in tears. They've got the fucking same score from the first one that's changed a little bit. The fucking sounds are hitting me. Like that movie, I liked it. Real like Paul Rudd, liked the whole cast. I didn't like the Stay Puff minis running around. I felt it was a little too, like, for the kids, which Absolutely. that's another thing about Ghostbusters 2. It was completely for the kids. Oh, 100%. Listen, they had so, trading cards. Dude, I had the toaster toy that you could hit the button and it would jump up and down. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, dude. Well, 
an aside, you did you have I seen you since like around Halloween when I've built a proton pack? It's sitting oh, yeah. behind no, me no. over there. No, no, I, 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 it's beautiful. It's screen beautiful. accurate. I, I saw the the Instagram video, which is amazing. Uh, guys, check out this awesome reel that Jamie did for Halloween. that real i fucking love that real dude, dude. Thirty-four thousand views 2200 <laughs> likes i've never had anything like that people have watched that much it's crazy so thank you george <laughs> i but I'm, I'm done with gozer we can stop the gozer story which we'll see that's i don't need vigo again but i didn't dislike vigo um, i wouldn't mind seeing vigo face this new generation and i wouldn't mind um I wouldn't mind Vigo being a little bit more badass. I love what I loved about Vigo. Here's what I think. Roll with me on this because I do have a film school background, $20,000 on a useless education. And here I am talking shop with you. Hell yeah. But here's what I'm thinking. I'm thinking you start off part two where we have to lose another Ghostbuster. We just, <sighs> we have to. We have to. I know. We got to lose Vankman. And the reason I say this is because Vankman and, you know, uh, Dana Barrett, Scorny yeah, Weaver. Yeah, there you go. No, no, not Scorny Weaver. No, fuck Scorny Weaver. Oh. No, I'm talking about Vankman and um, Vigo. Vankman and Vigo, they had the best uh, chemistry back and forth. Look at that forehead. That's amazing. I mean, did you? That's that's what you knew you were a big deal, right? Like that's. So we got to get Vigo come back and attack Vankman, kind of kill Vankman, and then there's like the whole, and then you bring in Stance, but they go centralized in New York, so you have the group now coming to raise mystic shop you have winston kind of there as well and maybe you have vigo even take out winston i know you don't want to hear it maybe he takes out stance i'm not sure but we have to lose another ghostbuster and then we got to get a more badass version of vigo i think we got to get like a badass version of vigo the destroyer we got you got to give me a little bit vigo of the destroyer. straight up he's the destroyer exactly and we didn't get that when he put a shield over the museum it's almost like he was trying to protect himself and, I mean, if you're a destroyer, you shouldn't be afraid of anybody. I get it. He was trying to put himself into the baby and all that stuff. But the fact is, if you're the destroyer, even in a picture frame, he was doing a lot of damage to those Ghostbusters before they fucked him up. Sure was. So, if there's a way to work that in, fine. If not, though, I wouldn't be opposed to seeing kind of like a training homage of the old Ghostbusters kind of harnessing the newer Ghostbusters skills. Mm -hmm. Also, them kind of being, taking the phone calls maybe guidance, maybe have a ray on like, you know, a, a Bluetooth headset with the camera on one of the, like walking them through this and that, like give me a little bit of training of a passing of the torch. And also I wouldn't be opposed to a brand new villain. Give me yeah. somebody we haven't seen. Now I, the reason why I liked afterlife is the Gozer storyline for me is now complete. Cause I always felt like there was more to tell. And I almost feel like afterlife was the sequel that we deserved, but we never got. Yeah, I agree. Because they, at the end of Ghostbusters 1, they just closed the door. That's it. Gozer, obviously, like, they weren't blasting Gozer. Sapuff was the manifestation that was left behind. They ended up blowing the top of the building up, and then Sapuff blew up the side, but they just closed the door. That was it. So, yeah, Gozer still existed. But I love the fact how they did tie in the architecture from the Yeah, original. hell yeah. Is that the there, pure was some, selenium. 
Yeah, there were some cool Easter eggs in the whole. Fa- and I thought the lead, the lead girl, the lead young girl, she was absolutely fantastic. Oh, yeah. And she's she's got superstardom in her horizons. But I, I feel like uh, for me, it was hard to say goodbye to Egon. I oh, when, 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 when Harold Remus did pass away, my heart was already because Egon was my favorite. Yeah, but I'm not going to lie. I, I will air this out. The ending scene when all three of them are there and then you see Egon's ghost beside them. I yeah. fucking teared up, man. I did. I'm not going to lie. I teared up. I did. I, dude, I was tearing up the whole movie. You're telling, you're speaking, preaching the choir here, my man. <laughs> I, I, I teared up a little bit and I, I thought that was a great homage and paying of respect to a great Harold Ramis that gave us so much and really expected so little. It was, yeah. So in my opinion, loved it, but it was going on too long. Like it was hurting me too much. It was like, stop, stop stop this like i get it he died i get it stop uh i liked it but yeah in my opinion it went on too long the pan up and the poor herald you trying to fucking kill me are you trying to kill me with grief like oh my god like it was it was too much it was a lot is a lot i've watched it only one other time since because like it's like i gotta like pencil it in because it's gonna be like i'm gonna be tired after because i'm so, so like emotional it's so emotionally drained after watching like i like it just a, a like a Hollywood movie. Like it's, it's I shouldn't be. It's supposed to be fun. <laughs> it is supposed to be fun, but they definitely did pull at the heartstrings for sure. And yeah. if anybody hasn't, uh, like I said, if you haven't seen Afterlife, sorry. I guess we yeah. just kind of spoil well, the whole story. You still enjoy it. It's, absolutely, it's, it's, it's a good movie. Oh, it's a fantastic movie. I, I really did. I, 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 being a Ghostbusters fan, I loved it, and I thought it paid its respect to the original. But I thought it, it carved its own way in the franchise. Yeah. Yeah. It found its own way to complete the franchise, not like Indiana Jones 4, which should have never been made. No. <laughs> should have, we should have stopped at Last Crusade and nobody listened. So third movies are usually good. Die with a Vengeance. We watched that over the Christmas holidays. That That's like, dare I say, maybe better than the first one. No. I'm not saying yeah. it is. I'm not Easy saying now. it is. Last but that's a conversation. That's a conversation. Listen, you know what? I'm intrigued by this conversation. And I have kind of mentioned that Straight Talk is thinking about rebranding. We want to kind of go a different, we want to always keep the wrestling close to our hearts because it's been who we are for the last six years, but we do want to branch out and we are actually thinking about changing the name to straight talk unlimited in meanings of unlimited conversations. We want to talk movies. We want to talk video games. So I would love to invite you back to talk nineties pop culture and everything that's great with franchises and when franchises died. We could talk about Ghostbusters. We could talk about Indiana Jones. Because much like you have a lot to say about Ghostbusters 2, you don't want to hear me go on Indiana Jones and the Kingdom of the fucking Crystal Skull. Okay, I can go on and on. <laughs> and you know when that movie died? That movie died in the first four minutes. I've never seen it. I didn't even oh, give it a chance. I never no, gave it a chance. <laughs> and you know what? A lot of people, it's funny, a lot of people look at the trilogy of Indiana Jones and they watch it wrong. A lot of people think Last Crusade is the sequel it is not. It is the third installment. Temple of Doom is actually the sequel. Yeah. A lot of people watch it backwards. A lot of people watch Last Crusade right after Raiders of the Lost Ark. Oh, people miss it. Well, Temple of Doom, people, it was too different. People didn't really like it. Temple of Doom was my favorite one in the whole franchise. I'm not ashamed to admit it. No, but it's because it was different, right? Well, sorry. That's not why I'm saying you liked it, but I'm saying that's why the, like, the masses didn't like it. Because, Temple because of Doom it is went like, away from the Jesus story, and just and the Nazis, and it, I, I. Sorry, I don't remember the. It's been a long time since I've seen the first one, but the first one, 
they're looking for the uh lost ark noah's ark yeah yeah the, lost the, ark, ark. Sorry. the ark of the covenant which held the yeah. ten commandments yes exactly yeah, right. yeah, yeah. Oh, yes. the second one was more like uh i don't know now i guess too it's kind of like offensive it was like it's like the heart of like darkness type thing right like mm-hmm. um there wasn't there that like the it was what they say when they ripped this tenana when they ripped the heart out Kalima! And sacrifice. Kalima! Yeah. yeah like and he crazy. has a heart that's burning oh no i'm like, shivai oh, no, the guy's hanging in his pit i love it love it also that's fucked up like a kid sees that they're like i don't like this so like i think it's fucking cool but like I could see people being like, "This is a lot." <laughs> oh man, my my favorite part is when they're talking about the black sleep. Yeah. First they make you drink the blood, and then you have the black sleep, and Galima come get you, and then like short round, come on, man, short round. Hell yeah. Call him Doctor Jones. The only problem was that George Lucas put his fucking wife in the movie as that uh. stupid singer, and kind of ruined a lot of shit. But regardless, Temple of Doom holds a special place in my heart it's my favorite one don't get me wrong i love last crusade i love the chemistry between sean connery and harrison ford and we all love raiders but kingdom of the crystal skull blasphemy yeah yeah and even I, the one that's I, coming out next year blasphemy yeah yeah um and aside uh oh i lost it oh that's not good podcast content i'm sorry man i had something i lost it <laughs> Well, let's get oh, back. George Lucas. Okay. George Lucas. All right. Cameo appearance in Beverly Hills Cop Three. Yes. Yes. You see it? You know what I'm talking about? Yes, He's I, do. The I do. Park, and he looks yeah. up at Axel Foley on. It just shows him for a second going like this. It's yeah. the weirdest fucking cameo in the world. Did he just happen to be there at whatever like shit amusement park in California they were filming that at? <laughs> well, you know what? I heard rumors that the reason why he was in that is because. Um, Eddie Murphy was supposed to play a rather famous character in the Star Wars franchise, but he turned it down for Beverly Hills Cop. Oh, really? Was it, uh, what's his name? Endo. Uh, yeah. Hell he yeah. Was, he was originally cast, or he's what Lucas wanted to be Lando Calrissian. It's never been proven, but I have heard that. Wow. That's cool. So yeah, um, he actually turned that down. Uh, to be in the first Beverly Hills Cop. And it's funny because it was almost like, I guess Lucas agreed to the cameo because Beverly Hills Cop 3 was fucking trash. So he was like, well, you fucking screwed me out of my third movie. So here, let me fucking take a little bit out of yours. You know what I mean? But like, I think he made the right choice of Beverly Hills Cop. Like, yeah, come on, Axel Foley. I mean, come on. Uh, uh, That opening line gets me every time. Don't I know you? No, man, I'm from Buffalo. (laughs) <laughs> I, just, I didn't just throw the buffalo out of nowhere i love it i love it <laughs> and even the second one like for me see a lot of people say sequels never outdo the original i can counteract that statement um die hard one is perfect die hard two is solid does die hard two take the place of die hard one not for me no no beverly hills cop two though yes takes the place of beverly hills cop one just because of everything with the fucking lamborghini and fucking Paul Reiser, back yeah. to try to stop. The, the whole thing is incredible. I actually yeah. love the second one a lot. And you know what's another one that might surprise a lot of people? Lethal Weapon 2. Oh, yeah. Lethal Better Weapon than Lethal amazing. Weapon 1. And also, Lethal Weapon 1's great. I would say it's the same argument for both those, for both Beverly Hills Cop and Lethal Weapon. The first one isn't as fully fleshed out. It's really good. The second one, they add more to it. There's more depth, but they don't add too much either. Then just enough, just the right sprinkling. Because Beverly Hill or uh, Lethal Weapon Two 
might be the perfect fucking action movie, man. Like yeah. when they start killing off all the cops near the end, and like oh, their rigs is like, we're not cops tonight. Like, yeah. oh my god. Oh yeah, and Joe Pesci, come Joe on, Pesci, come on, Joe Pesci. Uh, my actually, I actually don't mind the third one because the third one's when he's trying to quit smoking, so he's eating yeah. dog treats. No, he's eating the fucking good. dog treats. <laughs> yeah, the dog treats. So there was a mandate in Hollywood around that time because nobody's smoking around 1993 and on. Uh, Willis isn't smoking him with a vengeance, but they have cigarettes sometimes, but they don't ever smoke them. Uh, yeah, because like they were always smoking. Ghostbusters one teaches me that I'm not cool enough to smoke. <laughs> oh, come on. When Stance, when Stance walks in after they've caught the ghost, he's got the smoke and he hands the proton, he hands the trap to Winston yeah. and he goes, all right, here, you want to put that in there? And he's got the cigarette and he's like, what do we got here? No, 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 no. Oh, fuck it. I love it. When Listen. he sees the Slimer in yes. the hotel and it's hanging off his lip. Yes, yes. <laughs> Listen, we all can agree. Smoking in movies, bad. Yeah. But when you're Ray Stance smoking in a movie... It is all kinds of sexy. Smoking in real life, don't do it. It's not, no, it's don't bad. Do it. But if you're going to be race dance, yeah. you're cool. You can do it. Yeah. Go ahead. That's about it. That's yeah. it. I think we have to definitely continue this movie conversation. Two more questions about wrestling, and I think I'm going to let you go enjoy your evening. All right. But you mentioned WrestleMania to the mini host being one of like the major points. Now, a lot of people may not know this about your history, but you've announced an impact. So you've, yeah. you've been kind of in that major promotion feel. Because Impact is one of the top four promotions in North America, hands down, 150%. When you think about that moment, being in that stadium with probably the most people you've ever been in front of in your ring announcing career, how did you stay so fucking cool and calm, man? So, I don't know. There's something about it. Like, honestly, I don't re- I'm not really thinking. Like you said, and people have told me this before, where like I got my like between match stuff. But then it's business and it turns over. I'm just doing what I did when I was a kid with my wrestling figures and I was imitating the fake. Like it's, I don't know, man, when I'm in there and it's so funny because like I'm not really doing, I'm not a wrestler, you know, wrestlers, like I wrestle and I escape and it's just me in the ring. When I'm saying people's names for the 30 seconds, I say people's names. I don't really think about it. I don't think that I'm in front of these people. I feel like I'm with these people and I get to say the names of the wrestlers. I get to be in the ring for just a second. Um, so like, there isn't really any pressure. Now with Impact, it felt a little more pressure only because I was underprepared, but you're always gonna be underprepared for something like that. I'd never done TV or anything like that. And early on in the filming, there was some cues that I was missing, uh, in particular counting the crowd down. I'd never done that before. Um, and it's something that a couple of promotions have, we've done it since because of that, because I got that, uh, uh, experience. Um, but it was like in the back, they were like announcer countdown. And I was just, I don't know what you mean. Just tell me, tell me what you mean. Finally, they understood that. Just tell me what you need me to do and I'll do it. And after that, we, we rolled really good. That was the one thing was the counting down. They kept saying renouncer countdown. And I'm in my head is countdown. What? Like I I've been to live events where they do do that. I'm at fucking impact on a Sunday doing it. Now my brain's going a little crazy as it is. Just, I need a little bit of guidance. And as soon as we got that, and as soon as they, they saw like, cause I think obviously I would have, they probably thought I was an idiot. Like, Count, say fucking numbers, stupid. 
which numbers? So after we got through that, <laughs> it was cool. Which numbers? <laughs> yeah. Which numbers and in what order and why? <laughs> but after we got through that, it was cool. Um, Jeff Cavanaugh is the ring announcer for Impact, uh, is the best. He gave me a phone call right before uh, my coach Ben Hortman set that up, and he like gave me some great advice. And uh, it was just a matter of just playing it cool and just like that's the thing. Uh, like I said, why Winston and me are, are the synergy is just sink or swim, we'll do it, it'll be fine. We're gonna swim, we're not gonna sink, just keep powering through it, everything will get figured out. <laughs> Awesome. Awesome. I think that's, that's a quotable for sure. I gotta use that. I gotta use that in the clip for sure. That and your epic rant about Ghostbusters too, for that five minutes, that was epic as well. <laughs> but when you look back at this wild journey you've been on for this last couple of years, as that kid, or I should say as that young adult who walked into wrestling training for the first time, could you see yourself where you are now? No, back then? no, no way. You never, like, there's no, absolutely not. I was just trying to get in better shape and, like, learn about, like, this, like, art form that I think is so cool. Like, no, absolutely not. And even when I, like, was, like, a year in and I, I just, I thought it peaked. I thought, like, yeah, no, that's the most that's ever going to happen. And then just more stuff keeps happening. And, like, there's such a good community uh, here in Ontario where it's, like, like, the the names that are brought in like this year you you got to call matches for uh chris masters chris adonis and uh sandow uh aaron uh like what like <laughs> hollywood boys blake hollywood christian boys. like it's been it's been a whirlwind absolutely you know what to think where we were to where we are i think it was actually Ben that gave me the opportunity to kind of get my first kind of string of commentary. I don't even know if the commentary was ever used, but it was a lot of fun being out there with Ryan and doing that and then getting the opportunity from HWE to do that, be the storyteller. And then also now new frontier to be the storyteller has been a whirlwind and uh, it's been a lot of fun. It's been a blessing wrestling as much as we've been fans of it. Wrestling has given us so much in our lives and has given so much back that why not, you know, be thankful for those cool moments that happen because at the end of the day, you only get one goal at this life. Yeah. Make the most of it while you can. And I think yeah. you're, you're an excellent example of somebody that's doing that. And uh, I wish you all the best in 2023. And I know you're fucking killing it. And um, I look forward now to seeing you at shows and you not busting my chops that I have it. So now Jamie, can I officially say the next time you ever introduce me somewhere, you could say I have interviewed almost everybody in fucking Ontario because now I've had you on my show? Yep. It's official. It's official. Okay. <laughs> perfect. Perfect. Do you want to shout out any socials for anyone that can keep tracks of the wild, the crazy world of Jamie Franchuk when he's doing his wrestling thing? Yeah. Hell yeah. Do you mind if I put over a couple upcoming shows I've got going on? Absolutely. This is going to drop. It depends because this is going to drop probably third week of January. So you let me know if there's anything after the third week of January that we yeah. can plug. I've got some stuff in January. Crossbody Pro Wrestling has their uproar tapings that are starting uh, Friday, January 6th, Friday, January 13th. It's like a TV show thing we're going to be doing on YouTube. YouTube.com slash Crossbody Pro Wrestling Academy. Uh, probably doesn't need to be said, but the January 14th HWV show got postponed. Uh, Friday, January 20th, Germania Club of Hamilton. PWO Pro Wrestling Ontario's fifth anniversary. And then Sunday, January 29th, Motor City Machine Guns, man, at Destiny New Beginnings at Battle Arts. Like, oh, man. And then actually, if we're going into February, uh, 
Saturday, February 18th is uh, Crossbody's big event return, uh, Family Family Day Feud 5, uh, 132 Argyle Street North, the new Crossbody Studios. So that's going to be, that, that show's going to be, oof. Those uh, uproar tapings, the YouTube show is going to build into that. And uh, I'm excited for what, what we're doing over there. Absolutely, man. Crossbody is always a great time. Shout out to uh, everyone over there doing their thing. And shout out to David Franchuk for being my guest, my guest tonight. It's incredible. And also, don't forget to shout out your socials. We talked about that, but you're plugging shows. What are your socials, my man? Uh, JFrancisco82 on Instagram. I'm on Facebook as just my name. And uh, uh, at Toast and Jamie, at Toast underscore and underscore Jamie on Twitter. Should have done a better name. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. That's it for this one, guys. Peace, love, and wrestling. We'll see you next week. Peace. Thank you so much for listening. Don't forget to tune in next week for another great episode on all available podcast platforms and hosted on Podbean. Also, check us out on YouTube at Straight Talk Wrestling, on Instagram at Straight Talk Wrestling, on Facebook at Straight Talk Wrestling, and on Twitter at underscore Straight Talk. And if you feel the need to buy some sweet merch, check us out on ProWrestlingTees.com. Leaving the scene with no trace. None in my lead. You out of place. I'm not at the top. I'm out of space. Can't eat with us. We're out of place. I'm doing fine. I'm feeling great. You're not my fan. You can't relate. Straight talk going state to state.